Amen. What a morning. What a morning it's been. I'll tell you what, I absolutely love the new praise song. How many just felt the walls coming down as we sang that song? Good job, praise team. We are finishing up this series that was called Closer, and uh, the tagline was Closer to God and Closer to Others. This last two weeks on this, we have picked out a phrase in the New Testament that the Greek word is, if you want to put that on the screen, the Greek word for this word one another. We have two words in the English which mean one another, but I want you to see that Greek word and everybody say ah, lay, loan. You all are Greeks now. You speak the New Testament language. Everybody say ah, lay, loan. Okay, one another is two words with our English, but in Greek, in the way that the New Testament was written, it's only one word. Well, my wife brought something really fascinating up to me a couple weeks ago or a month ago. She said, Brian, did you know there's over a hundred scriptures in Testament, in the New Testament, that deal with the word uh, one another? 47 of those times give instructions on how we're to be in relationship at church or community or in marriage or in business. So it works in all those sectors of life. And uh, 60% of them were uh, actually from Paul as he was encouraging us with one another. So last week we dealt specifically, last week we said together that we're stronger. How many know that we're stronger together? United we stand, divided we fall. We, we uh, celebrated Veterans Day. And last week was the power of unity and how unity, how we have to be one with another. Well, today we're going to take one-third of the other one-anothers, and the other one-anothers speak to us about how to love one another. Turn to your neighbor and say, today I'm going to learn to love you. I'm going to learn to love you. Then turn to one that you didn't choose and apologize to them. Um, that you didn't choose them first and say, I'm learning to love one another. And then the last third, the last third is uh, on one another. It's when you defer maybe your authority or your power or your position. It's where you defer and you walk in humility. So first of all, I want to start, if you grab your inserts today, Christians are commanded to love one another love one another. In our life, there's one law that we know that is valid, and that's the law of love. It, when, when we practice the law of love, uh, it brings the highest happiness to every individual as well as to all humankind and mankind. When there is love, there's life. Love is the only force capable of transforming an enemy into a friend. Would you agree with that? Human compassion and it's our love that binds us together as a community. Not that we're bound together in pity or not that we're patronizing each other, but as human beings, we're learning to live and love together so that we can better look at a hope for our future. Being compassionate and being a person of love, it supports a positive view of oneself and it gives us a sense of well-being and it's a way that we can discover purpose I believe this in my opening statement is my belief that feeling compassion and love, it's essential for connecting with yourself, it's essential for connecting with others, and it's essential for connecting with God. 
Jesus talked about it a whole bunch in the Bible. Again, remember there's, there's one-third of, of, of Scripture that says love one another. As Christian command, uh, followers, Christ challenged us to love one another. He didn't just challenge us to love people that are lovable and that are our friends. He challenged us even to love our enemies. Jesus said in John chapter 13, verse 34, he said, I am giving you a new commandment. Look at that. He said, I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other. And then a little bit later in 15, 17, he, he says, this is a new commandment. I, I think that's interesting. It's a new commandment. Love each other. And the reason he said it's a new commandment, because also when he taught the Sermon on the Mount, he said this. You have heard that the law says, or you have heard that culture says, or you have heard that the way we do things in life, Jesus said, you've heard an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. You get in my face, I'm going to get in yours. Uh, you do me wrong, I'm going to remember that, and I'm not going to trust you, and I'm going to do you wrong. Jesus said, that's the way it was. But I'm giving you a new commandment. He said, but I say, everybody say, but I say. But I say, Jesus said, but I say, don't resist an evil person. If someone slaps you on the right cheek, offer the other cheek. And then Jesus went on to say, you have heard it said. Again, this is our culture speaking. This is the way we're, we're taught in society. Jesus said, you have heard it said, love your neighbor, but you don't have to be as kind to your enemy. But Jesus said, but I say, everybody say, but I say, but I say, how many want to listen? Are you a follower of Christ? Christ said, but I say, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. In other words, when you're on Instagram or you're on Facebook, pray for people that might be saying bad things about you and loving the ones that aren't following you and aren't doing and saying good things to you. Jesus challenged his followers to not just love friends, but to love your enemies. Bless those that speak bad against you. That's tough. How many say that's tough? Bless those who speak bad about you. Bless those. Bless and do not curse those who speak all manner against you. Everybody say falsely. Hey, is that not the world we live in? So Jesus commanded us. He said a new command. And I want to challenge you with the challenge of Christ today. That there's a new command. And the new command is that we are to love one another all alone. All alone, love one another over a hundred times in the Bible, so it must be important. Paul, again, we said, he said it 60% of the time. Paul wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. He said, owe no one anything except to love them. Sometimes when I help somebody out, they'll always say, hey, what do I owe you? I, I never take money when I help people out. I mean, we're called to help each other out. When I help somebody out, I'll just look at them and say, hey, you don't owe me anything, just love me. Just love me. I can be a, I can be a hard head and a not head and, a, and, a, and a, some other words you can't say in church. Uh, but um, I always say, owe no one anything. Hey, just love me. Just love me. For he who loves someone, you know what? You fulfilled the Bible. You look at that Bible, it's, you think, my God, how can I fulfill that Bible? I can't even read that whole thing. How many of you even read the whole thing? You're like... Uh, we're going to get into that. And then John said, John wrote John in 1st, 2nd, 3rd John. He said, this is the message you've heard from him from the beginning. 
we should love one another. John again said, I'm, remind, I'm writing to you. I love this. Notice we put all the one another's on the side of your insert. So you can look at them real, as, as we're going through this because I put them all down there for you. So you've got them in your insert. But listen, John said, I'm reminding you. How many, how many of us need reminded to love sometime? Huh? Come on. I'm reminding you. I'm reminding you. I, I got a kick out of finding that scripture because I was like, oh my gosh, I need reminding. Remind you, dear friends. Hey, we got to love one another. We've heard it from the beginning. You know, again, you look at this Bible and you think, don't even know where to start in this thing. Don't even know where to read. I don't know which ones. I, 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 it, you just look at it sometimes and you're like, wow, how, how, do I, how do I sum it up? How do I do this Bible? You know, Jesus made it real simple. He said love can fulfill that whole book. Hey, let's keep it simple. Let's keep it simple. Love can fulfill the whole book. Jesus said in Matthew twenty two thirty seven. he said, Love the Lord your God with all your heart. With your heart, that means with your passion, uh, with your desires, that you're uh, continuing to put value. Loving God with your heart is when you're still saying, I value I, put, I have passion. And then loving him with your mind is your thoughts, your soul or your mind. Uh, loving him, your, your soul is your mind, your, your will, and your intellect. So the way you love God with your mind, your will, and your emotions is you give your emotions when you, you, you're emotionally distraught or you emotionally don't like something, you, you give that to the Lord. And then, um, and then he said love him with all your strength. And then he said the second one is love your neighbor as yourself. Love your neighbor as yourself. So let's keep it simple. I believe when we love God, it overflows into loving our neighbor. And Paul said, one of my favorite scriptures, take a look at Romans um, 13. Romans 13. Uh, I'm going to be reading it in NLT. Excuse me. Yeah, it is Romans 13. I think I wrote it wrong in my notes. I hope I didn't make it wrong on you guys' stuff. But the whole sum of the law is to love. I think that's Romans. Yeah, that's actually Romans 13. Does it say that on there? Okay, cool. If you love your neighbor, you will fulfill the requirements of the law. For the commandments say, listen to this. Paul goes on to name some of the Ten Commandments. You know, the big ten in the Old Testament. Moses got the stones. He said, hey, one of the big commandments, don't commit adultery, don't murder, don't steal, don't covet. These are a couple of the commandments out of the big ten. But all of this is summed up in one commandment. Love your neighbor as yourself love does no wrong to others so fulfills the law the requirements of all god's love all god's law to love fulfills the commandments or rules that god asks us to do you know if we're loving somebody we're not going to steal from them if we're loving for some if we're loving somebody we're not going to covet covet means man I'm not happy, John and Sandra, you got nicer things than me, um, I, I, I covet what you have, um, I don't know why you get everything, I've worked just as hard as you have, that's coveting, love doesn't covet, love rejoices with people's success, love rejoices when things happen good to people, you know, don't steal, don't murder, you say, well, we don't murder, people, we murder, our, we murder people all the time with our mouths. In fact, the Bible says that, that yeah, you don't murder, murder with uh, weapons and stuff like that. We don't have murderers here with weapons. But, guys, we murder our children. We murder our spouses. We murder people all the time with our tongues. They, they are lethal weapons. How many has ever been hurt by people's words? So when we walk in love, 
When we walk in love, man, let's, sometimes I think we focus too hard on the let's, don't do this, don't do that, don't do this, don't do this, don't do that, don't do that. Um, and, and we focus on that to a point where we need to get the don'ts out and just get in what the do's in. Let's just love God. If we love God, that overflows where we're able to love others. And when we love others, man, God's real pleased of you because you're fulfilling the commandments. Amen. God taught us. You know, God taught us how to love. He demonstrated how to do it. The Bible says in 1 Thessalonians 4, 9, it says, but we don't need to write you about the importance of loving each other. I mean, we don't need to keep on going. Everybody knows we need to do that. For God himself taught us how to love. And then John 13, 34, 15, 12, those are on the side in your insert. Again, I want you to have all of them, but because I want you to look them up, you should love each other. In the same way, love each other the same way that I have loved you. That John 15, 12. And even that John 15, 12, if you read around that, he says, love each other in the same way that I've loved you. Just pause a minute. How did Jesus love you? How has Christ demonstrated love to you? Well, one thing says he demonstrated his love towards us, and while we were yet sinners, he died for us. I mean, still in our wrong, still doing him wrong, he said, I'm going to die for you, I'm going to love you. He said, I'm going to love you first. So the way we follow Christ's example is loving the unlovable. The way we follow Christ's example is loving people first and initiating love. The way we follow Christ, and then he even says it in John 15, 13, one of my favorite scriptures. He says, greater love hath no man than to lay down his life for his friend. And again, that doesn't mean that you go out and throw yourself in, in front of a speeding car. Like, how often is that going to happen? I mean, why would God write something that only one out of one million are even going to get to practice it? Laying down your life for your friend is when you live for somebody besides yourself. I told my wife yesterday, I said, honey, there's got to be some give here. Because um, I, I give everything to her. I, I'm telling you. I shop. I, I, I wash dishes. I, 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 I do all kinds. No, I'm just kidding. I do do those things. But I was like, I just want you, I just want you to go to Pub 64 with me and watch the college football. That's all I want you to do. I don't like doing that. There's lots of women that go with their spouses and do that. I just want you to do that with me. And she said, all right, I'll do. Hey, greater love hath no woman to, to do something sometimes that she doesn't want to do. I, I, I don't think it's fair. I do seriously try to help. But it is just not fair that a woman feels like she's got to go home and take care of everything after she's worked all day, too. And the man's worked all day, too. But come on, guys. She has, too. Let's pull our load. We're, let's work together. And that's when we're going to learn a little bit in deferring and, and working together. Um, but, but, man, we lay down our wants. We don't have to win all the time. We do what we've been seeing. We watch Jesus. And then Paul said, um, I love this one. Look at 1 Thessalonians 3.12. Love, I wrote, wrote, you might write this down in your notes. Like, where you love out of your overflow of loving God and his love poured on us. I want to say that again. We love out of the overflow of loving God and his love poured in us. You know, even as a minister, they always say, minister out of the overflow. 
In other words, I got to be getting full all week long by spending time in the presence of God to have passion, to have unction to preach. Uh, they, they always say, ministers, you got to minister out of the overflow. Well, brothers and sisters, we got to minister or we got to love out of the overflow. And the way you love out of the overflow is that time spent with him. That time spent with him. He teaches us love. First, uh, Romans chapter 5 says that the Holy Spirit is poured, the love of God is poured in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. So as we spend time in the Spirit and with God, love is poured into us like, like water fills up a cup. Do you all believe that? How many say this? How many can testify to this? How many can say you loved better after you became born again? Or you asked Jesus in your heart? How many says, I didn't even know what love was until I got born again? Why? Because God is love. And when you accepted Christ, his spirit came into your heart and taught us how to love. It's poured into our heart. You know, when the Bible demands things of me is when I start freaking. Because I'm like, I always fail. I, I never... Meeting expectations is my like thing that causes me anxiety. I'm always that, and then you look at the Bible and you're like, I'm never going to meet that expectation. So whenever I feel like expectations are put on me, I can shrivel. But I've learned that whenever God asks of us something, He gives it to us the ability to do it. The Bible even says in, in Philippians two, I think thirteen, it says that God gives us both the desire. And the power to do what pleases him. He'll even give you the desire to serve him. And the power to do it. He will fill you with love for the unlovable. He will fill you with patience and long sufferings and kindness. And the example that he has given us all those things. Man, I'm starting to get wound up. He, he gives us all those things. Where in turn, we give those things. And that leads me to the third point. We see the example. Man, I just felt like rhyming yesterday. <laughs> Write this down. We see the example of God. Now we must be that example. We see the example of God. Now it's time to be that example of God. And that's 1 John 4, 11 in your insert across the page there. Dear friends, since, we, since God loved us so much, since we've seen that love, we surely ought to be that love where does love come from where does love come from first peter 1 on the side of your thing guys i know i told my wife i said almost all my notes are solid yellow this week it's almost all bible this week because and i was like well maybe that's a good thing it's almost but where does love come from look here's the answer here's where love comes from you were cleansed from your son, sins when you obeyed the truth in other words, just a second ago when we got excited how God gives us that love when we're born again, that's what it's saying. So now you must show sincere love to each other, all alone, as brothers and sisters. Love each other deeply, deeply, with all your heart. Our ability to love comes from God. Dear friends, dear friends, let us continue to love one another, all alone, for love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God, and they know God. 
Anyone who doesn't love or know how to love, they don't know God. Because God is love. Where's this love come from? How do I get it? How do I be it? Galatians 5, 22, straight from the Bible. Here's the answer. How do I get it? How do I be it? How do I receive it? The Holy Spirit. Look at that. Everybody read that with me. The Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love. Where's it come from? How do you muster it up? How do you walk in it? How do you be it? Read it with me. The Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our love. Lies. Love. Joy. Peace. Patience. Kindness. Where's it come from? Read it with me. The Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, say them with me, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. How many of you have been out of control the last 24 hours? Come on. There is no law against these things. Those who belong, somebody say, I belong to Christ. I love this. I love this. Those who belong to Christ, I'm read this with me. Those who belong to Jesus Christ have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to the cross and crucified them there. Guys, when you read, when you get born again or you ask Jesus in your heart, the Bible teaches. It, uh, in the original, it says, reckon Reckon, understand this truth, and then reckon it so. Romans says, when Christ died, listen, some people don't get this. When Christ died, you died with him. Every day I remind myself, I remind the devil, I remind myself every day. Every day I say, Lord, I thank you for forgiveness of sins through the blood but I also thank you that the passions and desires of my sinful nature, I died to them with Christ 2,000 years ago. And just as Christ died, he was raised up from the dead, and I say, I am raised up a new creature. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a what? New creature. Everybody say that. New creature. You used to be a creature of passion, a, a creature of evil, a, a creature of getting even, a creature of, of, of madness and anger and rage and wrath and vile. But you died and that was nailed to the cross and you raised up a new man, a new woman in Christ. And just as Christ was raised and seated at the right hand of the Father, Ephesians 2 says that we were raised and made to set with him. You have authority. And then it says this. It says, because Christ has been glorified, listen, the Holy Spirit has been poured out to us. And that is the Spirit that causes this in our heart. Anybody with me today? 
I'll tell you what, that is powerful. I wish I'd understood that 30 years ago. I wish, I, I wish that somebody would have told me what I just preached to you. And if I were you, I would listen to this podcast over and over and over and over and over and over till you get it in your spirit. And then you start walking in these truths. Sunday morning isn't just coming here and do our dues. We want to change. How many want to change? Be changed into his image. Change is going to, you got to put some effort towards that. Let's talk a little bit about love in action. Love in action. Galatians 5.13 says, through love, we serve one another. And then uh, Jesus said, since, I, since I'm your Lord and teacher, I've washed your feet. You ought to wash each other. Again, all alone. Love one another, the one another. You ought to wash each other's. Washing each other's feet means Jesus was the boss. He was the creator. He was God. He had all authority. But he said, let me demonstrate. And he washed. He served. He served one another. Love in action is humility and deference. Here's a bunch of others. I'm going to rip these off real quick. They're on the side of your thing because you can study this. Be kindly affectionate to one another. alone, one another with brotherly love and honor preferring others above yourself always be humble and gentle patient with each other look at this make some allowances for each other's faults make some allowances has god made any allowances for you can we not follow that make some allowances for each other because of your love. Live in harmony with all alone, each other. Don't be too proud. This bothers me just you, because of your paycheck and what you drive and what you live in. Don't you be thinking you're better than. Don't you be thinking that. Live in harmony with all alone, each other. Don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people. Don't look down your nose too far. And don't think you know everything. Man, I love the Bible. Regard, honor, lift up, regard, alone one another as more important than you. Man, if you read that in context, I, I challenge you to read Philippians 2, 3. That's where they said, hey, Jesus thought it not robbery to be equal with God because he was God. But when he came, he laid down that he was God. He deferred that authority he deferred that power. He, he put himself down. And it says he went clear to the point of not only giving himself to people, he even went clear to the point of dying for people. That's what that's talking about. Pretty powerful. Pretty powerful. Clothe. Just like you put on your clothes every morning. Clothe yourself in some humility. Don't think yourself too highly than you ought. Towards one another. And then I want to go into Ephesians 5.21, and we're going to talk about family for the remainder of this sermon. Ephesians 5.21, how does this all alone, one another, love one another? How does that work in my family? And what, what works in family works in business, works in relationship, works in neighborhood. It works everywhere. works in church. Notice the overarching principle when, when, Christ, when, when Paul is talking to family, the overarching principle is Ephesians 5, 21, where it says, submit to one another out of your love for Christ. 
So, so the, the umbrella for everything Paul's going to say from now to the end of the chapter, actually into chapter 6, is going to fall under this umbrella. Here's the umbrella. I want everybody to say this with me. Submit to one another out of love for Christ. Say that with me. Submit to one another out of love for Christ. Then it says this. First it says, hey everybody, family, all of us, mom, dad, little brothers, big sister, grandma who's living with us, first of all, we're going to submit to one another because we love God. So husband, wife, you should have a family meeting today and you should get together and you should say, boys, mom, dad, here's the overarching principle we're going to respect, we're going to yield, submit to each other because we love God. And then he says, wives, submit to your husbands. See, uh, it's easy to do that when you see it's Christ, Paul gave that commandment to everybody. And he says, wives, submit. Do you know what that submit means, wives? It means this, that there is nobody that can influence your husband. There is nobody that can speak into your husband's life either good or bad. Nobody affects him like you do. Nobody can harm him or help him like you do. Nobody can do it quite like you can. And I'm telling you, nobody can do it like my wife can with me, her influence. But a wife submitting is when she yields that influence and the Greek says to leverage or push up her husband so that he might accomplish and be all things that God's called him to be. Father, husband, businessman. So wives, the way you submit is you're leveraging your influence. Are you leveraging your influence to put him down all the time? Tell him what he's not. I'll tell you, almost, let me tell you something, ladies. On love languages, almost all men, one of their love languages is they need affirmation. That's almost across the board. And another thing that's across the board quite a bit is they're into physical touch. Okay? Sometimes there's, but that's just, so a wife leverages her influence by affirming. I, I, I'm going to go just a few minutes long today, praise team. Maybe three or four minutes because I feel God wants me to say a few things. I had a horrible temper growing up. I grew up on a farm. I, I had a horrible temper. Horrible temper. All I ever saw in my life was temper from grandpa, temper from my dad, and I had temper. I... I I grind my teeth off and chip them from, from, I played football on rage, just anger. I was filled with anger, okay? Um, in our early years, Carmen would get some of that anger. Man, my dad would fly off, the, fly off and his eyes would start dancing and his eyebrows would get a certain way. I've seen my dad throw a cup of soup off the table yelling at my mom that's too hot. I grew up like that. It's just the way it was. And I, you can take on some of those things. Where well, I was tough on Carmen, especially in the beginning. Caitlin, I was pretty tough on her out of our four kids. I was pretty tough on Caitlin. 
are oldest because you don't learn these, you don't know this stuff. But I remember one day I blew my top in Casper, Wyoming. And every time I blew my top, I'd feel like, I'd feel horrible later. Because I, I, it wasn't, that's not me. I, I love my wife and my kids and all that stuff. And I had such an amazing, I have such an amazing wife. She, the change that, the deep changes that I have had, that have happened in, in me has not been my wife with her finger in my face and tell me what I'm not and, and tell me what I, sh- she's not, she's, she's, she's soft, she's tender, she's affirming, she's good to me when I don't need, but I'll never forget, I went in, I laid in bed and I turned my back to her because I was embarrassed and I knew I screwed up again and my wife proceeds to rub my back and tell me how amazing of a man I am and how amazing of a man of God I am and how she believes in me and she follows me and how much she feels loved and how good I am to my kids. I'll tell you what, that just broke me down I can remember it like it's yesterday, having my head down and tears going across my nose and snot coming out my nose (laughs) and just a puddle. And I never said a word. I just received. I was changed that day. That is godly submitting of a wife that leverages her husband to be a better man. And then it says, under that umbrella, wives submit to your husband. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loves the church. Carmen, grab that microphone. What what do you think women want to (laughs) know? Come here and help me a minute. She says, I don't have a clue what, can you, like how I said what men want, can you just tell me anything? I mean, I'm putting you on the spot. Would you rather not? Just what do you think men need to hear where we go at it wrong? Everything? <laughs> <laughs> Can you say anything? It's for the husbands to lay down their lives. He knew there was a reason. What does that mean? Because I think it's difficult for men to lay down their lives. Because women were kind of born in, we're, we're born with that uh, nurturing with our kids. You know, we just basically ins- we, we forget ourselves and take care of everyone else. I think that's a little bit harder for guys just because it's not in the DNA makeup of a man. So Paul is saying, men, lay down your lives. Quit thinking. See, you're, you're being really. Quit thinking about yourself. See, she's, she's so nice. She's so nice. Pastor Justin, talk to men. Stop doing what you're doing and serve her first. Find out what her dreams are. Put it down every day. Stop. What does she need first? Then I get to watch my show. What does she want to watch first? Amen, guys. 
Yes. Put it down. Put down the remote. And put down your life and go do what she wants to do first. Amen? All right. Sorry. I That's too hard. <laughs> I love you, buddy. Hey, and then it says this, and it's all under that umbrella. It's, and then it says this, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. And it actually says you live a lot longer if you do. And boy, that was true in my household. But then... <laughs> <laughs> but then, but then, but then it says this, fathers, still under that pr deal, praise team, you can come. Then it says, fathers, provoke not your children to wrath. And uh, I've done that before, too, because sometimes, you know what hit me when I was asking the Lord, how do I talk about that one today, just a little while ago this morning? He was like, just admit, just tell the parents to admit you get it wrong sometimes. That's what I feel. You know, when, as a young parent, you're like, well, I'm the parent because. Well, my mom used to say, well, why? Just because. And, and sometimes the just because the parent is really not in the right light or right. So I think fathers provoke not your children to wrath means there's times to say dad was wrong. You were right in this. I was overpassionate and I was upset about something else. And apologize. I'll never forget one time when, well, I don't want to tell that story. It makes me look too bad. <laughs> you know what? The other scriptures are just greet another with a sacred kiss. Greet one another with a kiss of love. All brothers and sisters here greet each other with a sacred kiss. That's all of the love one another ones. All alone. Everybody say, ah, lay alone. Father, I pray right now. Hey, I challenge you. Ask the Holy Spirit. Say, Holy Spirit, would you pour your love in my heart right now?